All right, guys. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Uh, Jeff here. Brad, how are you, sir? I am well as always, ready to get this going. Awesome. Well, let's get uh, right into it. We're going to go game by game breakdowns from from week four. Uh, we've already given our power rankings. Uh, last Sunday, we enjoyed a, a fun episode of Real Talk Live on the Facebook group, and uh, we're kind of basically going over the exact same games, but now we just know the outcome. So let's get right into it. Week one, the Baltimore Ravens moved to three and one, defeating the Washington football team, who now moves to one and three, final score of 31-17. Uh, I was a little unimpressed with the movement of the ball for uh, for the Ravens. If I, if I want to peep, I believe it was Jordan. I think he said either 31-7 or 31-14. I mean, he was pretty close here. I thought they would score more, but... Clearly, that wasn't the case. I uh, I'm not in love with the Ravens right now. I, yeah. you know, I just I would have expected more. I guess is my only problem. Yeah, I think sometimes you know expecting more out of the Ravens, sure, but I think we should expect a little bit more out of the, the Washington football team. I mean, they're they're not very good, but they're not a pushover like we thought. Like even the Jaguars, you know, the the Washington team. Um, we thought they would be games where they would just be getting blown out left and right bad teams, but they're actually competing. Uh, something I don't like about the Ravens right now in defense is after the Chiefs blow them up in the, in the passing game, they go out and they sign Marlon Humphreys to that big deal. And then Terry McLaurin goes for 10 catches, 118 yards. It looks like their defense has some holes. You know, losing Earl Thomas might have more repercussions than what we initially thought. But... Going forward, the Ravens definitely look way more beatable than I thought they would. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the report today, but Dwayne Haskins is going to be benched for week five, and he's actually not even going to be the backup. Right, yeah, I was just going to say that. So let me go over his stat line quick. He went 32 of 45 for 314, no touchdowns, no picks, and then he had a rushing touchdown on only three carries. But, I mean – Got to be a trade coming, right? That's just weird. Oh, I just, even though he hasn't been the reason they've lost, he doesn't look like he can be a difference maker going forward. Um, And I always think, uh, in the contrary, total, he's got four touchdowns, three picks through four games. And I, I think he was always on the chopping block when Ron Rivera has Kyle Allen with him, who he had over in uh, Carolina, and he really liked. Yeah. So knowing that he's there, this was probably an easy decision. He didn't have any part of drafting this guy. He didn't have any part in really his development. And uh, total QBR, he's 32nd in the NFL right now. So if you're not if you're not winning, you're not going you're not going in the right direction. And Ron Rivera wants to win, so everybody does obviously. But Dwayne Haskins, all it's impressive still. 45 passes to throw over three Bills and not have a pick, but it doesn't look like he's a difference maker out there either. I'm not saying Kyle Allen will be, but clearly Ron Rivera doesn't think very highly of Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, uh, obviously your team didn't play Sunday, and and my team didn't play Sunday. I was able to watch a lot of games. This is actually one that I never tuned into. Who knows how many times Dwayne actually sailed the ball or almost got picked off, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Same same for me. I had four games up on my TV, and it was just kind of like you knew the Ravens were going to win. It wasn't really worth yeah. a watch. And I was just kind of bottom line, you know, Ravens were always winning. Lamar, 50-yard touchdown run. Uh, you'd like to see that ex- offense be a little bit more explosive, but they're still a tough out. They're still the Ravens. I think we both had them at four or five in our power rankings. So, yeah. Good team. Uh, moving right along, you got the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They moved to three and one. They defeat the Chargers 38-31. to This was a fun game. Uh, way more scoring than I thought it would be uh, for two very good defensive teams. But you know what? I mean, we haven't really touched on this, but this might be the year of the offense or the year of the no defense. There's just, there hasn't been a ton of great defensive efforts out there this year. I mean, you could, you could argue a couple games here and there, but as far as consistent basis, I mean, a lot of people are scoring right now. Uh, Brady was incredible, 30 of 46, 369, five touchdowns. He did throw a pick that went back for six. Uh, what do you got to say? Um, touching a little bit based on the offensive you know, teams in the NFL, 
with the way kids are being brought up as quarterback specialists, you're getting much better play every year. And with the way the safety is leaning towards protecting so many offensive players, a lot of kids are going that route, I feel, just coming up through school. So I feel like this is always something that we've said, you know, we've mentioned it's not holding teams under 14 anymore. It's holding them under 21. So um, going off the quarterback thing, the Chargers have to love what they see out of Justin Herbert. I mean, 20 for 25, 290 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, He played really well. Uh, going to the Tampa Bay side, uh, Rojo, this might not be Leonard Fournette's starting spot. Um, I know I was someone early in the year that, that he averages plenty. I mean, 20 carries, 111 yards, averaging over five yards a carry in the offense. Um, I know that Leonard Fournette's a bigger name and maybe he's got more breakaway speed, but in terms of consistency, there's no fear handing the ball off to Ronald Jones. And uh, Bruce Arians alluded to this team. Uh, it's just Tom Brady, even take the quarterback play aside, he's just changed the belief of the team. Um, with Jameis Winston, that team goes down at half. They were down, what, 21 at half or something like that? And they came out, and they they acted like they, they, were, they were winning the game. This seemed the way they were playing. Tom Brady scores on five straight possessions with the offense five passing touchdowns to five different receivers. QBR is going up every week. He's fallen in love with Michael Thomas and Scotty Miller. I don't know if it's great for uh, Chris Godwin fantasy owners. I know he's been out two of the four weeks, but I mean, Tom Brady's getting reps with with other guys and and Tampa Bay looks good because they showed that they can win close games. They showed that they can dominate a game and they showed that they're never out of the game. So this is never going to be an easy team to beat. And you had to have loved what you saw out of the Buccaneers from a neutral standpoint. Yeah, I guess the only thing I'll, I'll say here, let me start here, the Ronald Jones discussion. Uh, I'm not sure how much of this game you got to, to watch. I watched a good amount of it uh, with no New England on. But uh, Ronald Jones was targeted nine times. He had six catches for 17 yards. It seemed like he, first off, he was struggling to get open in the passing game when Brady was looking for him. And he also had three drops, just blatant drops. I mean, wide open. I mean, just like, goodness gracious. So I think that would probably be the only thing that Leonard Fournette, and Leonard Fournette's not really known for as a receiving back, but he did have 77 catches last year. Uh, Who knows? I mean, I think it's definitely a dual backfield going forward because these teams are both, or these backs are both very good and proven in this league. But uh, my biggest takeaway is just like Brady to Evans seems like it's working but only when Godwin's out. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but the two games that Godwin's been out, Ed Evans has had seven catches for 120 yards in both games and a touchdown. So it's like, you know, who knows? But uh, I, Evans has been great. It might not be great for fantasy, but Mike Evans has had one or more touchdowns in every game this year. So yeah. in, in terms of just looking at it from the Buccaneers, Mike Evans is putting points on the board regardless. Um, yeah, I'm not arguing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not in for huge, massive days, but Mike Evans, I mean, beast. Yeah, I guess the one last thing I, I want to say before we move on, I know you touched on it. Gosh, if if you're if you're the Chargers right now, you hit the jackpot. You didn't have to trade up and trade the farm. Justin Herbert fell in your lap. He was literally incredible. He went 20 of 25 for 290 and three touchdowns. He threw a very late pick. That's going to happen. You're a rookie, but it's like, dude, this this kid is poised to succeed. He was actually the leading rusher. That was their their one downfall. They couldn't run the ball on Tampa. But then again, nobody's been able to run the ball on Tampa. And they so. lost Eckler, too. And they lost Eckler, yeah. So uh, outside of that, Herbert was great. Looking forward to see him move forward. So uh, moving on here. Seattle is going to move to 4 and 0. They're going to defeat the Miami Dolphins 31 to 23. Miami Dolphins move to 1 and 3. Uh there's a lot of people talking this week about potentially starting Tua. I don't think they're quite ready to do that. But uh you know, Russ, you know, on the on the live show I I said this was an upset alert. And this game was this game was close most of the way. Uh it was pretty much within a touchdown the almost the entire game and uh Russ, for the first time this season, was kind of, uh, you know, had a difficult way. And a lot of it was the Dolphins' defense. I think the Dolphins' defense is better than a lot of people think. 
it's really their offense that's uh, that's the issue. But Devontae Parker had a big game. Uh, Russell Wilson comes back down to earth, 24-34, two touchdowns and a pick again. Uh, Carson, after being potentially questionable all week, 80, carry, or, uh, 80 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. They pick up the W. That's all that matters. What did you think? Um, one, the Dolphins' defense is real. I know uh, yeah. they still got a lot of new pieces. They're still gel- gelling together, but the, the Dolphins' defense can play, and that's a positive. Um, if they're not going to play two and now, um, I think there's a really good window for them later on in the season, um, and it's right at the start of the second half. Um, week nine, they played the Cardinals, who don't have a great defense. They've got some pieces, but it hasn't really proven to be crazy good. They play the Jets by week, Jets again, and then Bengals. Absolutely. I would I would start them there. That, that whole stretch four, you just told me. That is four mediocre to bad defenses and teams in five straight weeks with a buy-in between a back-to-back or on the Jets. Um, however, after that, if he still plays, their last four games are Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills. That will be a gauntlet at the end. But um, something that I've heard some people say is, you know, it's time to see if two is ready because the Dolphins could likely have a top 10 pick. And then because of the Texans, they're going to have a second top 10 pick. If Tua gets hurt, which will be proven to make him officially injury prone if he gets hurt playing in the NFL first couple games, or two, if they just don't really have the belief that he can play, which I don't think either of those will happen. But if you have two top 10 picks, you know, you've got other stud quarterbacks coming out of the draft. Um, on the flip side, if Tua does play well, you know, you have you have two top 10 picks for, they really could use a, a pure running back. Maybe the guy from Clemson or um, Chubba Hubbard, um, a, a top running back or, or beef up that offensive line that they need a little bit, or even trade the picks for proven players. I, I don't want to get too much into what the Dolphins are going to do. I'm just kind of sticking to two because this game, you know, it's what we thought The Miami Dolphins defense played, played a little bit better maybe, but it was a close game. Russell pulled away late. And and it's kind of the same old story with uh, with the Seahawks. They're going to be bad pretty much everywhere except Russell Wilson and what he can do with the offense. And they're just going to hope he has the ball last. Um, maybe they make plays on defense. Maybe they don't. But until they lose, I don't think they're really worried about it. No Jamal Adams. They still get the dub. Made a, the Ryan Fitzpatrick again on the flip side, what we talked about on the live show. Could have his crazy good days. Could have a crazy bad day. 300 yards, but only two picks to show for it. Um, Dolphins are definitely on the up and up for being one and three. They're one of the teams we're still high on. I know Andrew Bradish is a, is a big Dolphins fan, close friend of the show. Um, they're, they're in good hands right now, but we would like to see Tua, but maybe let Ryan Fitzpatrick face some of these teams. They got the 49ers coming up next. You know, Let him get some of this out of the way. And there's a real nice five-week stretch where Tua can kind of come into his own against the Bengals, Jets twice in, in a bye week. So, I, You know, I, uh, week one, the Patriots played the Dolphins. I had a couple of Dolphins fans over my house, Andrew Brash being one of them. And, you know, I asked them, and, you know, hey, what, what are you looking to see from Tua this year? And, and Andrew was pretty vocal that he didn't want to see him at all. Uh, and if, it, if he did see him, it would be at the very end of the year. But I, I pose the question, and I'm gonna repose it to the audience and to him and to you know even you here. If quarterback plays the only thing keeping you back from being a good team, would you make the move? This is a good football team, and I, I'd have to I'd have to assume that if two was game, it might be closer. And that's that's weird to think, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is. I mean, he said it this week on a podcast. He's a he's a he's a warmer. He's warming the seat for for Tua, and I don't know. I just I would have liked to see Tua in there against Russ, and and well, I know it's early, and it, it, who knows? But I think the stretch that you said is a great stretch. But you've you've almost admitted that at this point that you're you're not tanking, but you're not trying to win either because this isn't it. Yeah, and I also think you know they don't want to put. Tua behind, you know, their offensive line has some struggles. And if if I told you Ryan was going to, if I said before the game, my bold prediction is Ryan Fitzpatrick leads the team in rushing. 
that that can't happen. So he was the leading and, rusher for them all year last yeah. year. And, and so th- they could use a running back, but you see some of the stuff they want to do with Tua. Um, they have they had a few designed runs for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's almost like they're molding the deep or the, the offense a little bit for when Tua comes in. And you know that coaching staff, you got to trust them because it's a good coaching staff down there in Miami. And you got to kind of trust them to know when they want to bring Tua and when when he'll be ready. And like some other quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in particular, sometimes waiting isn't the worst thing. Sometimes sometimes waiting isn't the worst thing. So I have a feeling we'll be seeing Tua Tua this year. Um, how soon? I don't really know, but I think he'll be out there. Moving on here, battle of 0-3 teams on Sunday, the Minnesota Vikings and the, and the Houston Texans. Minnesota wins this to move to 1-3. and Houston moves to 0-4. They end up firing Bill O'Brien, which we'll touch on in a minute. Uh, Vikings get the win, though, 31-23. Uh, on the live show, I distinctly remember saying that I'm taking the Vikings in this game for two reasons, coach and running game, because I thought outside of that their teams are pretty equal. I mean – here it is. Dalvin Cook, 27 carries for 130 and two touchdowns. That was really the difference. Uh, the ball control and, uh, you know, Minnesota had 410 yards to Houston's 386. Uh, I mean, outside of that, I mean, they, this game was fairly even down the down the stretch. Houston did have a fumble, and uh, that was probably part of the difference too. But what would you think? Yeah, um, we kind of called this for a mile. The, the Vikings were more due for a win than the Texans. And yeah. like you alluded to in the live show, I said, you could probably look at Dalvin Cook or the rushing game for the Vikings stat line and say if they won or not. Dalvin Cook was eating all day, five yards a carry, 27 times. They literally couldn't stop him, which really opens up for Kirk Cousins and his low low numbers. He, he's efficient when he's throwing low numbers, 20, tw- 16 for 22. 60 and a touchdown. Um, Justin Jefferson the last two weeks, you know, he's put up back-to-back hundos. Um, yeah. It seems like he's kind of found a way to make an impact for the Vikings. That's going to bode well for them going forward. Deshaun Watson, you know, 20 for 33, 300 yards, two touchdowns. It's crazy that he threw for exactly 300 yards. That's kind of neat. But um, something I talked about on the ranking show that I wanted to touch on don't want to get too far out of myself, but I believe Eric the enemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, would make a great head coach for this team in the following year. Uh, Deshaun Watson's going to have a lot of say in who the next head coach is. Eric the enemy is an offensive coach who's worked hand in hand with Patrick Mahomes, who's a really good friend of Watson. I'm sure they'll communicate over the job that he's done. Um, I think Eric the enemy is the next coach for this team, but they're up against it. They've got a lot of salary and they've got a lot of picks they gave up to get their left tackle and um, we'll see how they go going forward. But the Titans don't look like they're going anywhere. The Colts we'll see how long Phillip rivers lasts, but they're going to reload at quarterback. They've got a great roster. That division's tough for them anyway, being, being so bad. So Vikings look good. Don't want to spend too much time on it. Cook cook led the way and, and they got an easy dub. Yeah. Moving right along, game that uh, we both predicted incorrect, but uh, the New Orleans Saints, they take the W over the Lions, 35-29. Uh, Saints move to 2-2, two and two, Lions move to 1-3. and three. Uh, The difference here was actually the Saints running game. It's, they weren't super effective, but 4.5 a, a carry at 30-40 at, uh, times, I mean, that's, that's just really was at. So uh, Drew Brees, 19-25, 246, two touchdowns and a pick. Story of this game, though, is the Lions go up 14 to nothing. And then uh, the Saints score, I believe it was either 28 straight or 35 straight. It, it This game ended up being way closer than it actually was. Let's just say that. Yeah, I, I guess my question is, what are we learning here? Go ahead. What were we going to say? What I have to assume is Matt Patricia is really good at writing a script because they get up quickly. They have the talent. They they're showcasing they have the talent needed to, to beat good teams. And then after they about four series for for each team, after the first quarter go, going towards halftime in the second quarter, the Lions just hurt. They don't have answers. It looks like nobody knows what they're doing at times. And I, I really have to blame 
blame coaching on this team because I don't think they lack talent really at any position. Um, we talk about Dan Quinn and and uh, Bill O'Brien, like all these guys in the hot seat. Like, how many more chances does Matt Patricia have? And they talked about it a lot on a lot of talk shows I listened to in the morning. And in the post game, he said, you know, when I came here, there was a lot of work to do. Before he came here, they were nine and seven back to back years. And now they're a losing team. The only thing that changed was the coach. So they brought a guy in to improve already. It's it's kind of the same situation as the Titans. You know, they're nine and seven, nine and seven, and now Vrabel's got them as a winning team. He just had to make a quarterback change. I don't think Matt Stafford's the problem. I I just there's got to be a coach out there that could walk in and really relish the opportunity with this roster. I don't know how many years Matt Stafford has yet, but you have two really good wide receivers. You have a plethora of running backs. You have a young defense that's got playmakers at a couple different spots. I, It's got to be coaching because this is – it's becoming a habit now for the Lions to get these leads and then blow it. It's like, it's like the Falcons all over again, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, you know, one of the – one of the things that we talked about in the NFC North division breakdown, we had kind of picked impact players. I don't know who remember who you, who picked, but for me, I picked Trey Flowers, the former New England defensive end. And, you know, I guess I just assumed that he was going to be better than he really was. You know, his, his four years that he's been in the league prior to this point, he didn't play a lot in 15. He had, he had one game, but in 16, 17, 18 and 19, he had seven sacks, six and a half sacks, 7.5 and seven. So he literally has a career average seven sacks per year. I thought he would take a step up. He has one sack through four games. It's not enough. They're not getting pressure. Uh, they did take the ball away last week. They took it away once this week, but do it at a grander scale, taking the ball away and ball control. And they, they didn't run the ball very effectively either. So and they didn't even pass the ball very effectively. There, there's a lot of holes in this team as far as, like you just said, coaching. Coaching is the biggest thing. Get a game plan, stick to it, uh, and make adjustments, and they're not doing that. And that's – the Saints are too good of a ball club yeah. to be the Lions against them. You know what it I just, mean? You, it just doesn't look like the Lions do any adjustments. They yeah. come out and it works, and then they just don't change, which is crazy because Bill Belichick is arguably the best coach at adjustments, and Matt Patricia coached under him. You know, so it's it's really it's really fascinating, but I don't think Matt Patricia is the answer. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to our next game, I was, you know, Sunday for me, I was tuned in heavily to the the Buccaneers Chargers game, but all of a sudden I found myself glued to this game the cleveland browns defeat the dallas cowboys 49 to 38 this was a this was an interesting watch the browns moved to three and one and the dallas cowboys moved to one and three if you'd asked me before the season placed a hundred dollars on who has the three and one who has the one and three i would have swapped these two i would have swapped these teams but you know uh the story of the of the game was Dallas waited till the fourth quarter to play, and Cleveland gave it to him steadily throughout the entire game. And, uh, you know, Nick Chubb did go down in this game, but the Browns pulled out all the tricks they needed. There was a, there was a wide receiver touchdown pass. There was a, a rever a wide receiver reverse that went for a touchdown late in this game. Uh, say what you want, but. The offense of the Cowboys ends in the issue. They scored 38 points. Dak threw for 500 yards. You could argue they were garbage yards, but he actually had a great first half. I think he threw for like 270 in the first half. So it's like they're not all garbage yards. Where are you at with both of these teams? Obviously, I think I had the Browns in my top 10. I think you had them slightly out of your top 10, but where are you at on both teams? And what's what do you make of the Cowboys? Again, Zeke, only 12 carries. I, I just don't understand why they don't like the, the one guy they seem to be wanting to ha do the best is Dak Prescott. And he's the only guy they won't pay for some reason. Yeah. They paid DeMarcus weird Lawrence, ghost. They played Jalen and Smith ghost like Amari Cooper's playing well. But again, is, is that because of Dak? He went for five Oh two just monster numbers, four touchdowns. Um, I, Odell had a fantastic game. Um, he didn't have too many targets, but he made work. He, he, I mean, he did work. 
Uh, if you're a Browns fan, maybe you're uh, wondering when Jarvis Landry's going to play quarterback for the team because the dude just dropped dots all over all the time. That He's just great for them. It, it was a fun game. I was at Lucky's with a Browns fan watching it. Uh, Jake Shimming, if you're listening. But, uh, yeah, I watched the whole game, and the Browns are up 41-14, and they're breaking all these historic records for the Browns. And you're like, wow, dude, the Cowboys. And then the Cowboys, touchdown, touchdown, touch. They're just coming back, coming back, coming back. And if it wasn't for OBJ on an absolute insane reverse, they probably lose the game. But, again, the Cowboys wait too long. The defense is – they don't take the ball away. They don't stop the run. They don't stop the pass. So, I don't know what you want to make of the Cowboys' defense. Um, I still don't like how the Browns, outside of the Washington football team, have allowed 30-plus points in three games. The defense scares me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know what? If I told you that Dallas had 560 yards of offense, you'd be like, oh, they won and they dominated. Well, not quite, because Cleveland had 508. You know, Cleveland was dominant on the ground, 307. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the last 1,000-yard football game, a total of 1,000 yards, was Super Bowl 52 between the Patriots and the Eagles. It's been a little while, but these games are rare. This one was super fun to watch. Um you know, if I was a Browns fan, I would have felt great in watching this game. If I was a Cowboys fan, I would have been pulling my hair out. Because like you said, it's just so difficult to watch Zeke not get carries. But he also fumbled in this game. You know, da- Dallas's three turnovers were the ultimate X factor in this game. And they were the reason they lost. And the reason they were down so big. I almost wonder, you know, if, if if things would have been different had they continued to run it in the first half. But we talked in the pre-show, if if one team's going to abandon the run, who would win? Well, a Dallas abandoned the run, but the Browns didn't. They ran it for 300 yards. So, I mean, that was that was really the, the two biggest things, the ball control running down their throat and the fact that uh, Dallas had as many turnovers as they did. I also think it's a little worrisome for the Browns how when everything was going right, Baker was just dropping – Really good passes, spreading the ball around. They're running. But as soon as the Cowboys got the momentum at the away stadium and they really felt that pressure, Baker disappeared. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't move the ball. And like I alluded to, it, it took an OBJ reverse. You know, or or you talk about the the Browns, just how silly they are. They had 300 rushing yards. They were dominating on the run, averaging like six yards a carry the whole game. They had a second and four on their own 40. And they threw an incomplete pass. Like, why aren't you running there? Like, it's just funny how the Browns, I, I don't know. It's just, they're such a tricky team. Both of these teams are a little tricky and deceptive. Um, but the Browns, the Browns, like you said, they, they competed all four quarters. They scored throughout the game and they made plays when they had to. And they won the turnover battle. And whatever you say about the Cowboys, you can't say it's Dak's fault. You can say they're padding stats, but he's throwing when teams know he has to throw and he's beating them. Um, I heard a really good analogy from Kevin Wilds. He said, it's like walking into a house that's on fire and saying it's hot because the air conditioner is broke. No, the air conditioner being Dak works just fine. It's hot because there's a fire everywhere else on this team. So, um, if Dak goes somewhere else, I wonder what that team could do with Dak. You know, if, if he decides not to sign and wants wants to go to a better team, that could be really interesting. But um, the, the Cowboys never went one and three under Jason Garrett. That's got to sting a little bit. And we found out that a linebacker coach who wanted his shot at defensive coordinator for multiple years was turned down in the Dallas organization. And he went to the Indianapolis Colts this year, the only team not to allow 300 yards of offense yet this year. And they're number one in every meaningful category on defense. So, um, Cowboys. Yeah. Sucks to suck. here's, Here's the one shining light for you Cowboy fans. You guys are listening. You guys are second in the division. And first place in your division is one, two, and one. So you're not far out. There's a lot of football to be played. You got to get better defensively first, though. Moving right along. 
This was a fun one. We we predicted this one exactly correct on the on the uh, Real Talk Live show. Joe Burrow gets that. Uh, Joe Tuddy Burrow gets that Thank first you, W. You're welcome. Friend of the podcast, of course. Thirty three yeah. to twenty five. Uh, the Bengals move to one, two, and one, and Jacksonville moves to one and three. You know, this one just felt like it was due. I think that's why uh, I know I know I was, and I, I think you were too. We were just kind of sold that this was going to be the week that that Burrow got it done. He goes twenty-five of thirty-six for three hundred, a touchdown, and a pick. And I think I know the reason why they won this week. He got help on the ground, Joe Mixon. You know, you said on the live show he had disappeared. He had. He heard you. He listens to the show, welcome and back, he went. Joe. Yeah, welcome back, Joe. He he went off twenty-five for one fifty-one and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he actually he added another six catches for thirty and a touchdown, uh, receiving. Uh, Joe Mixon, man, you know, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for participating, and and uh, thanks for making fantasy owners happy everywhere. And and you got Joe Tutty Burrow his first win. Outside of that, it's nothing that Jacksonville did. You know, we we've said Jacksonville's not great. They've played a couple of teams very tough. They played this one tough. I think this one was trading the lead most of the game, but uh, ultimately the third quarter. Joe Burrow was great, and that was enough to get the W. Yeah, there's, and it, it, we'll see where Joe Burrow ends up in a few years. Um, he's really good. Um, there's some quarterbacks who are the elite tier class that it doesn't matter what they have on offense or defense, it works. And then there's the the really good quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks that you know they just need they just need a good wide receiver or two, and they can carry a football team. Well, right now, Joe doesn't need a defense. He's already surpassed those those quarterbacks that need everything else to work. He doesn't need a defense. All he needed was a running game, and he can win you football games, and that's what he showed. He, he finally got a running game, and this offense went for over 500 yards. And I know it's on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Joe did have a pick, but 25 for 36, 300 yards. He's spreading the ball all over the place. And uh, when you have to respect both the pass and run game for these Bengals, if Joe Mixon plays like that, this offense is scary. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to win some shootouts. But um, yeah, Jacksonville's up against it. They'll have a top ten pick. You know, we were like, oh, they beat the Colts, and so sweet. Garner Minshew, which I still like Garner Minshew, but they have. I couldn't name you one player on defense. Josh Allen got drafted a couple years ago. And they still have Miles Jack, maybe. They do. But like in terms of like actual outfield linebackers and secondary, I I don't know anybody. So Jaguars got to work on some stuff. I love the the wide receiver core of the Bengals. Joe Bur- Joe Tutty, he should be at poker next week, I think. But um, yeah, love love what the Bengals are doing on offense. We'll see what happens. Steelers or or the Ravens defenses, but the you know Ravens defense hasn't been as good as we thought so far. So. It'll be interesting to see them play another divisional team because it's one thing to score, but if you can't stop anybody, the Browns scored 35 on them. They're 1-2-1. One, and one. We'll see. I like the Bengals, though. They're young. I like the Bengals, too. And one other thing that they did in this game that uh, you know neither of us touched on, I'm going to touch on it real quick. When you're able to establish a run game, it does one of two things. Typically, it does two things for you. A, it opens up play action and downfield passing. But more importantly, it loosens pressure on the quarterback. They only sacked Joe Burrow one time this week. Yeah, that's huge. That's humongous for a team that doesn't have an offensive line, has been struggling with giving up sacks. Burrow at one point was on pace for like 75. Hopefully that one, uh, that dropped it down a little bit. You know, if they can do that, they have a shot to beat anybody. Uh, they're going to give up points. That's just a fact. But uh, Burrow's great. Move right yeah. along. Um, Go just ahead. Before, Go before we move real quick, I wanted to backtrack a little bit back to the Cowboys. Um, yeah. They are they are one and three right outside the division. But get ready for all the Weedem Boys fans. They're going to be coming because their next four are Giants, Cardinals, Washington, Eagles. All four of those are very winnable games for that Cowboys offense. They play four mediocre to bad defenses in a row. There is a real strong possibility that if they simplify the defense, even if it's just man or zone concepts, simple stuff to where they're not letting up big plays, 
Cowboys could be four or uh, five and three heading into the Steelers week nine. So um, Cowboys are far from done. I think they go on a big run here going forward. Just a little something more positive for the Cowboys fans because we're ripping on them pretty hard. They deserve it. But, you know, a lot of teams and ex-players I listen to on the radio, they talk about how the season is put on the board in quarters, four games at a time. Well, they went one and three in the first quarter. Look for them to ramp it up in the second quarter. I find it hard to believe that they're going to be a losing team at the end of the season. Roster's just too good. Yeah, I agree. Moving on, the Carolina Panthers moved to 2-2, two and two, and they defeat the Arizona Cardinals, who also moved to 2-2. Two and two. The final score, 31-21. You know, on the live show, I had to step away while you guys were talking about this game, and when I came back, your first question was me is, give us a reason why the Panthers win this game. And I went right into it, and I gave you all the reasons why they would win, and I'm like, but I don't think they will. They did everything that I said. And, you know, the one thing I've been preaching since week one, how big of an of an addition was Robbie Anderson to this team? Massive. I mean, no one saw that coming. It just, it, he's been massive. And, you know, this team, it, it's crazy. They don't miss Christian McCaffrey right now. They're doing all right without him. Could they use him? Absolutely. But, I mean, this offense has been great. They ran for 168 yards. They they threw it for 276. I mean, they had 444 total yards. It was well well more than uh, Arizona did, and they actually threw an interception. It's just, you know what? Uh, they had 10 penalties. That that right there shows you they're a young team, which we know. That, I mean, that's that's you know it is what it is. But they were able to keep Kyler Murray in absolute check. It which is, the stat line is crazy. I'm just gonna go ahead and read it. He threw 31 passes. He completed 24 of them, but for only 133 yards. Yep, I was going to get into that. Keep that, going. Go ahead. I mean, that's that's really I, the difference. That's the difference of the game here. Yeah. He doesn't get any downfield passing, and that's a problem. Matt Rule is a good coach. He is. Um, he was a great hire for the team. We can see now why he got that massive contract. He came in, why are you shipping out Cam? Why are you getting rid of all these defensive players? He literally came in clean house and built the team immediately how he wanted. He signed Teddy Bridgewater, brought in Robbie Anderson, who's been a really effective piece like you alluded to, and he drafted all these defensive players. Week one, they allow 34. Week two, they allow 31 to the Raiders in Tampa. They literally looked in the mirror and said, okay, to win this game or to win games, we just need to eliminate the big play. That's where Kyler Murray's stat line comes into we'll leave you a lot of stuff underneath but we're gonna make you have to kill us with a thousand cuts we're gonna make you have to not make mistakes you're gonna have to complete your passes you're gonna have to make everything count they allow only 16 points to the chargers and only 21 to the cardinals and we've already said you hold a team to 21 or less odds are you're winning this year in football so i i really like what the panthers have been doing we're just gonna have to acknowledge that they're a team that that's good this team could end up eight and eight, or possibly even with a with a positive record, especially with the way that they, uh, you know, the Falcons have been playing. They're going to play them twice. They get they get um the NFC East, I believe, which is a lot of winnable games with uh, the Eagles, Giants. Um, let me double check that just real quick for you guys. Um, no, they play the a- NFC North. So the Lions, who are not playing very well. The Vikings, who are suspect on defense right now, um, Packers are tough. But, again, the Panthers are a good team. I think this is all about the Panthers. Uh, the Cardinals have some issues on defense because their first loss, everyone said, well, Kyler's not going to play like that again. Well, Kyler didn't play bad. And maybe this is this is an indictment on Kyler. He, he plays one bad game. He comes out the next game, and he just wants to throw short passes, you know, some confidence builders, but eventually you've got to be able to put last week behind you and push the ball down the field. They didn't. And and the Panthers, maybe we got to stop saying, wow, when they put up good performances, because I mean, they're a real close game with the Raiders away from being three and one with their only loss to the bucks. Yeah. I'm just, that's, that's where I'm at. I said it yesterday in the, uh, the power rankings that they're, they're on my radar. And I, I, I've believed in this team since the division breakdown. I said that this team was very interesting, and I thought they would be, um, 
they would be good because Bridgewater is a, is a, is a good quarterback in this league. But I don't know. I've just I've turned my back on him so many times, and I mean I don't have any loyalty there. But uh, you know, this week I I plan on watching the Panthers. I'm gonna try and turn on the Panthers and and see what I can what I can see on the tape that makes them so good because they're winning games. And like you said, I mean. If it wasn't for the aerial assault game that was the week one between Carolina and the Raiders, they could be three and one. They're only lost to what most people consider a Super Bowl team. This team's pretty good, and they don't turn the ball over a lot, and they're able to beat you different ways, and they're doing it right now without what most people consider the best running back in the league, and that says something. So moving right along, the LA Rams moved to three and one, defeating. <coughs> Sorry. Defeating one of the worst teams in the league, the New York Giants, who moved to 0-4. Uh, they beat them 17-9. For me, this game is about one thing. Why didn't you do it? Why wasn't this a bigger deficit? The Giants actually, <laughs> this is crazy. The Giants actually had more total yards. I don't even know how that's real. They fumbled. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the Rams fumbled. The Giants did not. The Giants did throw a pick, so it was the turnover game was one to one. The time of possession, the Giants led. It, if you're looking at this, you're you're probably like, what? Like, I mean, truthfully, uh, LA dominated the line of scrimmage. They were able to get five sacks. I think that played a lot into it. But I don't know. The Rams didn't look great in this game. If they would have played anybody else, they'd have probably lost. It might have been one of those things where you play a huge emotional game between two three and O teams. And now you, you lose, and you're, you're kind of down yourselves, and you're like, ah, we got an easy opponent. We'll beat them no matter what. Well, you got smacked in the face, not necessarily threatened at all because this team's just clearly not good. But uh, what do you got? Yeah, uh, you'd like to see the deficit be a little bit bigger here. Um, they came out – I think that's really what it was. They played that huge game against the Bills, and I, I don't know – they play the game against the Bills. They fly across the country, back across the country home. And, you know, the Giants come in and, and play actually a really good game. you got to give kind of credit to the Giants. Uh, they came out and played really well. Um, Jared Goff, no mistakes, 25 for 32, 200 and a touchdown. But you almost feel like they got bailed out by a 55-yard bust in coverage there that Cooper Cup, you know, bailed them out. But. That's what playmakers got to do. You know, when the game's not going your way, they, they can they can take that 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 extra juice and, and score a touchdown to bail you out. So you wish the Rams w- would have beat them by more. Um, they were my survival league pick them, so I'm glad they, they were scaring me real late in that game. But, yeah, it's, re- it's just a really perplexing game. Um, I think this is just more of a mental scoreline because, like, like you already said, I, I don't want to look too much into it, but the Rams – I've gotten less and less on the Rams each week, it seems. And to Giants by by eight with no Saquon is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's my biggest takeaway. I don't know if we'll see too many games with both teams under twenty this year. Yeah, yeah, that that will be a rare sight. That will be a rare sight. Moving on. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they defeat the Las Vegas Raiders 30-23. to The Bills move to 4-0. and The Raiders have dropped two straight, moving to 2-2. Two and two. This is personally who I thought the Raiders were. thought they were uh, a good football team that's well coached, but um, just not as good as a lot of other teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Derek Carr plays all right, 32-44, of 320-11, and two touchdowns. He added one late. I do want to add that there. Uh, but Josh Allen is the guy. I mean, if it's not for Russell Wilson, he's the, he's in the MVP conversation at, at number one, but 24 of 34, 288, two touchdowns. He adds another rushing touchdown, only three carries this week. So definitely wasn't trying to run the ball. He sat in the pocket. He's throwing to everybody. How good has Stefan Diggs been? You know, I'll let you go ahead, but uh, I, I, thought the, keep... I thought the bills would win this and they did. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it kind of short here. Um, the Stephon Diggs project has worked. Um, Absolutely. He's, Absolutely. He's tied with Metcalf for the league lead in receiving yards right now. 
Um, the Raiders' offense is very fun to watch, but their defense is going to limit them. They need either a free agency or one or two more drafts before they're a contender. But watching this offense is a lot of fun. And when it comes to the Bills, it's this simple. When someone says right now the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the league, you can disagree, but you can't tell them they're wrong. The Buffalo Bills are an unbelievably complete team with top quarterback play, and that's the most important position. You you really can't nitpick at the Bills. They they All they've done is win this year. They're 4-0, and they are rolling. They are looking really good. No one wants to play the Bills. They're a fun team to watch. If your team's not playing, tune into the Bills. Jo- Josh Allen is out of this world right now. You know, there's a lot of people that give me a hard time about Josh Allen because I was very slow to come on board. But here's one thing that I want a lot of the listeners and, you know, anybody else that, that listens or that's part of the page. I'm a Patriot fan. I've seen Josh Allen twice a year now for a couple of years. Uh, I watched his playoff game. Josh Allen hasn't always played the best when the, when the games are the biggest. I, I said that, I think, a couple of weeks back. I, I said that in his best games, he's been terrible. Well, I'd argue that through these four weeks, Every game, I mean, every game's a big game because right now they're they're undefeated, and people are looking at them as a top team and gunning for them, and it's it's not enough because they're they're just better. And you know, on the Sunday countdown, he actually talked about a game that he's learned the most from, and it was a, a four interception game against New England last year. And that's one of the things that I hold in my head that I'm just like, yeah, Josh Allen's not that good. I mean, dude threw four picks against us, and it's like. He learns, you know, he says, I learned a lot from that game, uh, more composure, and he's been absolutely incredible. And that's really all I can say. Uh, the Bills have a legit guy who has a massive frame. He's huge. He can move in the pocket. He can move outside the pocket. He's got a giant arm, and they finally landed him an all-pro receiver that he likes to throw to, that likes yeah. to be thrown to. So you it's a match made in heaven. You talked about a running game making a quarterback, you know, less pressure. How about if we're going for a Madden reference, that guy you can say, you know, I'm going to snap it, and in two seconds I'm going to tap circle. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had one, a bomb last game, where Stephon Diggs just went up and baptized the guy in the middle of the field inside the 10-yard line. And again, in his biggest moments, you know, shrinking, it's because, you know, not many teams are scared of John Brown but they are when he's the number two. You know, Stephon Diggs opens up a lot for that team, and unbelievable signing. Unbelievable. We're going to have to start talking about Stephon Diggs as a top-five receiver in this league. Maybe Doesn't he made get... Adam Thielen. Well, Adam Thielen's been – he's still been balling. He's still but... good, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, Stephon Diggs might have been the one. A lot of people saw that as Adam Thielen, and Stephon I will Diggs say this. just the deep threat. I don't think yeah, that's what I... it was. I will say this, and it's crazy that we're, we it took us this long to see it, but uh, a couple of years back, Minnesota had a quarterback, one-year wonder, back up for the Browns right now. Case Keenum. Um, Case Keenum, thank you. Case Keenum goes and balls out with Minnesota. Throws the, the, the Minnesota miracle pass to Stephon Diggs and all that good stuff. Thanks. Then ends up leaving and going to, I believe, Washington? Yep. Okay, was terrible. Now he's the backup to the Browns. They can't even put him over at Baker. And I, who knows how much of that's this is our guy or, you know, who's better. But regardless, can't get the job there. Then Kirk Cousins, who's solid in Washington, nothing crazy, ends up coming to Minnesota and balls out. And now he's struggling this year without digs. It all he's adds up. Diggs is a dog. You I know, believe this it, is a phrase we haven't used in a while, but turns dirt to diamonds. You know, digs turns dirt to diamonds, and we need to start acknowledging that. If you're a listener of this of this podcast, you need to call us out when we don't acknowledge people for being studs. We need to hear it, and we we're slow to the to the digs bandwagon. But at this point, going forward, he needs to be considered a top five receiver in this league because he is one. He's playing like it. Moving right along. I was wrong on this game. The Indianapolis Colts defeat the Chicago Bears 19-11. to Indianapolis moves to 3-1. and The Bears drop to 3-1. and You know, this is a trap game in my opinion. I didn't see it. Uh, Nick Foles starts his first game against the best defense in the league. Uh, 
and they had their way with him for a while. Uh, Chicago didn't do anything until the fourth quarter. It was three points for most of the way. Nick Foles was 26 of 42 for 249, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, nothing on the ground either. But the Colts, you know, they played kind of a ball control. This this wasn't a high-scoring game. Again, just like you said, both teams under under 20, which is going to be a rarity. Uh, very similar in, in total yards. Uh, Chicago actually had more passing yards, but Indiana, Indianapolis ran the ball, and Chicago did not. That seemed to be the difference. Outside of that, what do you got? Um, this was this wasn't two teams who weren't mentally in it. This was just two monster defenses colliding. Uh, neither team, I believe, had over 300 yards of total offense. Correct. Um, the Colts had 100 yards, 103 yards on the ground. Took them 38 carries. They averaged 2.7 yards a carry. Phillip Rivers only had 186. Where it really happened for the Bears, I know a lot of people come out of this and say, oh, well, I guess Nick Foles isn't the answer. The team had 28 rushing yards. 28. You cannot win a football game like that, especially against a defense as good as the Colts. They only ran it 16 times. So, I mean, Nick Foles, he played a pretty good game. I mean, throwing 42 times and not throwing a pick is more impressive than just only having one pick. Uh, I mean... it was just a defensive battle. Give props. I mean, everyone wants to rip quarterbacks or say wide receivers need to play better. I mean, 19 to 11. I mean, what more can you say? The Colts are, are a defense that's here to stay, I think. And I still think the Bears are a better football team under Nick Foles. And um, we'll have to just see more on these teams going forward. But these are two three and one teams. I don't know if a lot of people had either of these teams at three and one through four games in the season. So um, it's kind of refreshing to see two teams that are throwing their hat in the ring that people didn't really think of as contenders. I wouldn't have been shocked from the Colts. I am shocked from the Bears. I am shocked at, you know, even the fact that Trubisky was able to get them there. But, uh, you know, all you Trubisky, I don't think there's a lot of Trubisky lovers on here, but if anybody's listening to this and be like, oh, they should have kept Trubisky, pump the brakes. Nick Foles just went up against the best defense. I was wrong in calling the Bears on Sunday because I thought they were a better defense than the Colts. They're not. The Colts are very good. Adding DeForest Buckner has been monumental for them. Uh, Watch out for them. But moving along, the Philadelphia Eagles defeat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football, 25-20. The Eagles move to 1-2-1. The Niners drop to 2-2. This one was uh, a game of catch-up for the Eagles. They... uh, their team is a train wreck, if we're being completely honest. It, I don't even know how they won this game. I honestly have just no fathomable idea. But the biggest thing is San Francisco allowed five sacks, and they had three turnovers to the Eagles' one, and it, it seemed to be the difference. Uh, Wentz was good. Wentz was better late. He went 18 of 28 for 193, one touchdown and one pick. He had a running touchdown, too, I believe. He, he did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, he also no, he had a did. rushing touchdown. I Here's the thing. The Eagles are a bad football team, but the Niners played bad, and they don't have their starting quarterback, and that has been an issue, uh, at least for this game it was. Brandon Ayuk, though, if you I haven't seen him. it, if you haven't seen it, Go Google ahead, it, YouTube, YouTube it. You know, Brandon Ayuk, he hurdles a, a, a tackling safety into the end zone. It is a... Uh, it's a spectacle to watch. So Especially outside of that, know it was coming. Um, the one thing, the one more thing I want to say, the best tight end in the league is George Kittle. I've been saying it for a while. He's back. It ain't Kelsey. It's Kittle. 15 catches for 183 and a touchdown. Kittle's unreal, but go ahead. Yep. Uh, two things I want to bring up. I thought you were going to miss on it, but I was going to open up with Kittle's the best tight end in the league. Absolute dog. And if you take five minutes to look up online and learn about this guy, He's one of the most likable guys in the league. You literally can't root against the guy. And the second thing, just on the whole matchup, these are arguably the two most injured teams in the league, but one of them doesn't have their quarterback injured. Nick Mullins pick six is the difference in this game. I don't don't want to harp on it too much. Uh, It's Philadelphia's four offensive linemen outside of Jason Kelsey combined don't have 16 games, a full season of NFL experience. And they got to play the Steelers next week. So 
Good luck. All right, we're gonna do something a little different here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the score, and I'm gonna have you start. The Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Patriots 26 to 10. Kansas City moves to 4 and 0. Uh, New England moves to two and two. They were out without Cam Newton in this game. Lots of storylines, but uh, what did you see? Um, Patrick Mahomes got better late. Bill Belichick does a fantastic job every time they play any quarterback, really, in the first half. Um, Patrick Mahomes started to do better late, but I also think that alludes to the very, very poor quarterback play on the Patriots' side of the ball. Um. Julian Edelman's got to help out his quarterback a little bit. I felt like he had a few key drops where it was like, you know, if there's any guy that the the young guys are going to lean into, it's him. Um, I truly, in my heart of hearts, don't believe anybody watched this whole game and didn't absolutely think that New England would have won with Cam Newton. Uh, The Patriots look like the better team. Um, You can say the Chiefs were without um, Chandler or Chris Jones. he wasn't playing, but the Patriots just had some plays, you know, the sack at the end of the half, um, Jared Stidham threw a pick that got called back, uh, luckily for pass interference. He had another pick, um, the pick six on Julian Edelman. I mean, the Patriots still had a chance to win the game down one possession. And I think that's just, it. You, you can see how much worse the team was without Cam Newton. And they were still in it with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. I don't really take a whole lot from the Patriots. And I don't really take a whole lot from the Chiefs. These were two great teams that come in the matchup. We found out Cam Newton wasn't going to play. And I know I did. Maybe other people didn't. But I kind of felt like, okay, Chiefs win. But this is a wash. Like, this game doesn't even really count. It'll go down in the win column for the Chiefs. Lost for the Patriots. But... I don't think the Patriots can have too much to complain about going forward. They just know that if Kim gets hurt, they, they might not have a shot at winning games. So I don't know if that means Cam will run less, you know, now that they have a chance to see what, what life's like without Cam. But I do think the Patriots were the better team, but the most important position is quarterback. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in here. So a couple things without even bringing up the fact that the Patriots had to face adversity losing their starting quarterback. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state that, but then I'm going to be done with it. Okay, They're not playing with their starting quarterback. All that aside, they hold Pat Mahomes to three points or six points in the first half. Two opening, uh, their first two drives, they, were, they allowed field goals. Okay, At the end of the first half, Brian Hoyer didn't have any timeouts. All he has to do is not take a sack, and he takes a sack. Something that New England hasn't dealt with in the last 20 years is bad quarterback play. They get bad quarterback play from Brian Hoyer on the road. They open up in the third quarter, and they have an opportunity to once again tie the game. And this time is a strip sack, so they lose the ball. At that point, Bill Belichick pulls him. Somewhere in that amount of time, there is a play that happens. And Patrick Mahomes is, he's wrapped, he's not even barely wrapped up. He's grabbed to be sacked. And for some reason, there is a early whistle that cost New England an interception that had been ran back roughly 15 to 20 yards. That would have put New England about at the 20. Completely called dead. It was blown dead. My my biggest problem in all of sports is an early whistle. It is literally my my biggest pet peeve. I cannot stand early whistles. I've said in any game, and it it's just it's disheartening because so many people were chirping at me saying that this was going to be a blowout, and I can't personally remember the last time that I seen a score where the the losing team scored 10 points and it was, they had three points going into the fourth quarter. When's the last time you seen a game with one team having three points going in the fourth quarter and you thought to yourself, this team's going to win the game. Cause at one point it seemed like new England was actually going to win this game. Pat Mahomes happened obviously, but my Lord, if, if Cam Newton plays, this is a different. It's a different game. 
There's a lot of things that did not go the Patriots' way, and typically, you know, a lot of people would say this. New England's famous for getting calls. They didn't get any in this game. They had a wide-open dropped interception by Devin McCourty, which is the most weird thing about this game is Devin McCourty doesn't drop balls like that, and he dropped one. New England had a lot of opportunities. I'm not going to blame refs because I'm not a ref blamer. Too many opportunities in too much bad football. This was like the most unpatriot game I've ever seen in my life between bad quarterback play, ref calls going against them when typically that's not the case. I mean, a lot of people would agree that New England gets calls. But, wow. But kudos to the Chiefs. They were able to uh, figure out a defense that's had their number for a couple of years now. And um, I just hope they're scared to see Cam because I do believe Cam adds a completely different element to this team. So, moving right along. We have the second Monday night football game. It is the Green Bay Packers up against the Atlanta. And uh, for the first time this season, Atlanta, I don't think, ever held the lead. Green Bay kind of, they scored right from the get, opening drive touchdown. And then I believe they, I believe they picked Atlanta off and then scored again. But regardless, no. I'm sorry, it was 7-3, to three and then and then Green Bay scored again. But uh, Green Bay jumped on him and, and walked away with this game. Aaron Rodgers has been incredible, and he's doing without his, his top receivers, even though we make excuses for other quarterbacks to be without top receivers. Uh, yeah, Dan Quinn is uh, – I think he's going to be Man, finding coach. himself fired. He's going to – yeah, he's, he's going to find himself fired here soon. But, uh, yeah. That's all I got. Um, Robert Tanyan is the best tight end in the national. Stop. stop. Um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, 27 for 33. He looked like he was playing against a high school team at times, the way he was just laughing, mocking. I love when Rodgers talks that talk. He had a post game where he said he laughs when critics talk about his down years because his down years are oftentimes career years for most quarterbacks. And that he's right. The, the most seen comment I've seen is he ain't wrong though. And he's not. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. There's all these talk about other quarterbacks. And quite honestly, for being four and oh and kind of the talk about Rodgers with Josh Allen and Russell Wilson, the MVP talk, he's quietly just shredding the league. No one's really talking about him. Matt LaFleur and him have come into their own. They're 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 running a great offense. And it was almost unfair. Like if they if you were playing Madden and it came up Falcons versus Packers, you'd be like, okay, this isn't fair. Change teams. Like the Falcons just don't have it. They won't. They refuse to rest Julio and let him like heal up. He just goes out there, rehearts himself every game. And without Julio, Calvin Ridley can't do it alone. He's getting the same question Juju got alongside AB. All these great numbers, but Julio limps off with a hammy. And where'd Calvin Ridley go? This team doesn't really have much of a running game. Todd Gurley, I know he had two touchdowns, but under 60 yards rushing. Matt Ryan, no touchdowns, no interceptions. It's like the team is scared to play risky football because of how much has gone wrong for them. And as a conservative team, the, the Packers started good and then kind of just ran away with the game as it went on. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. I mean, the Packers are a better football team. That's... We were talking once one team's four and oh, one team's zero and four. I mean, I expected this to happen, and uh, yeah, Atlanta finally ran up against a team that's just superior to them. They didn't have a chance the entire way. Yeah, so. and uh, Steelers no COVID. Tennessee they got some COVID on their team, so I'm assuming the Steelers get um, get a dub this week for staying healthy. So take that as a moral win. Steelers are four and zero going into week five. <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple news and notes here in closing. Uh, if you're following the Facebook page, you're, you're you're probably aware that there is a promo out there to get one of two free Real Talk T-shirts. Uh, if you're not one of those that wins, uh, we will be putting an order in on Friday. Please message us, uh, Brad or myself, with your size and quantity of T-shirt that you would like. And we will get that on order for you. Thank you again for anybody that has reached out and uh, is ordering a t-shirt and for your support. Um, good luck to each and every one of you sharing the post in order to obtain one of the two free shirts. 
Uh, I do want to also issue a thank you. Uh, the podcast released yesterday has, is less than 24 hours old, and it is the second most pod listened to podcast since I've had Brad on. Uh, it's huge. It's, it's doing great numbers, and uh, it was a fun little power rankings episode. But hopefully, you know, more and more of these episodes you guys are tuning into and you guys are enjoying them. Uh, I hope that you guys are still enjoying the Real Talk Live. I know me and Brad are. Uh, we'll be back 9 o'clock this Sunday uh, live to talk some NFL countdown and uh, to go over each game. I think we'll probably make some time next week to uh, to talk about where the NBA Finals are. If They're probably going to be over at this point. But, uh, yeah, outside of that, thanks for listening. Brad, you got anything else? Nope. Go Steelers. Go Lakers. All right, guys. Go Pats. I'll see you guys later.